residing deep within Happy Valley in central Pennsylvania. Here is your host, Michael Lanik. Okay, all of you Hannibal fans out there, this is a uh, little message that, that we want to talk about today. Sarah and I um, found out that um, Scott Namirfo had recently passed away, and it's um, a sad departing, of course, for anybody to die. Um, it, I don't think it's ever on a happy occasion, but it, it's something that really strikes at you when you it's somebody that's been involved in a project that you have followed for uh, quite a long time and so of course Hannibal uh, is near and dear to our hearts as it probably is to yours if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> and um, so of course you know we didn't know Scott uh, I've never talked to him and, and Sarah um, hasn't either but uh, still, it's someone who is associated with the show, who was a writer on, I believe, over half a dozen episode or episodes of the show. Yes. Um, he was a co-executive producer for the first two seasons. And um, so, you know, someone that was tied so intimately to the show, uh, their passing is something that just we wanted to make sure and make a note of. So... Um, Yes, and doing a little bit of research on him, I also found um, he was a associate producer for Tales from the Crypt, which is something I watched when I was a little kid. Oh, Did well, you ever watch that? Um, well, to be honest, uh, okay, so this is a little freaky. Okay, when I was a kid, all right, when I was real little, um, my mom worked, of course, and uh, my, she was a single mother. Um. And so she would have, like, neighbors watch me. And um, this one set of neighbors, I don't even remember who they are. Okay? uh, It's been so long. But imagine that you're, like, five years old and being forced to watch Tales from the Crypt. And it's scary when you're five years old, right? I mean, the Crypt Keeper is, you know, this awful you know, scary to a kid, um, you know, skeleton, like a mummy thing. And it's like, yeah, I was so scared of that show when I was a kid. Like, to me, to watch it now, it'd be hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it looks like, when you're older, it's, like, fake, and you can tell it's, like, not real. But when you're a kid, you believe everything. Oh, yeah, and it just, you know, the the Crypt Keeper, the scary little cackle. I mean, when you're five, (laughs) it seems scary. And so for me, my association with Tales from the Crypt is being absolutely frightened to death at a five-year-old kid. And, like, they wouldn't not watch it, right? (laughs) So I had to, like, sit there. I had no choice. It was like endure it. It was torture. It really was for a five-year-old kid. It's like kind of like being five years old, being forced to watch the X Files or something. Well, I was know? just gonna actually bring up. Speaking of the X Files, um, when I was a kid, like the one thing that did it for me was the X Files theme music. I'd be in bed and I'd hear my parents listen to that music, and the music just put me on edge. Mm-hmm. It would upset me so much to hear. I was terrified of it. <laughs> it um. Not to get too, I guess, too far off on a tangent, but I, for for me, the the music that really did it was um, 
uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Never watched that. Look up the theme music. <laughs> it it's I mean it's it's of its it's of its time. Okay, so it's it's kind of like a synthesizerish. Oh, it was before I was born, so that's why I never saw it. Yeah, it was well, it was hosted by Robert Stack, um, who was an actor and everything. But anyway, if you listen to that music, like as a kid, it creeped me out. So I totally get it, you know, like that it's it's something. But anyway, you know, yeah, as not we're, to get off on a tangent. Yes, we're talking about uh, something different here. So, we're, yeah. so sorry for kind of going off on this tangent here about scary theme musics, but. Um, yeah, I also saw that his first, um, I think his first credit was on tra- Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So that, that was like his first anything in Hollywood. And then from there, yes, he went on to uh, do Tales from the Crypt and kind of made a steady progress up through through Hollywood over the years. And uh, was involved in X-Men, the first X-Men that, was, uh, that came out in 2000. So... Um, he was, a he was an influential guy in Hollywood. He, he had his hand in, uh, you know, I think quite a few projects and, um, obviously he was a talented guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, his work is totally spread out. I mean, he's got like, a, he wrote a story for Star Trek Voyager, uh, Stargate Atlantis. And you know, of course he worked on Pushing Daisies, but he also worked on like The Outer Limits, all kinds of like the really good kind of out there freaky stuff of like the 90s and early 2000s yeah he also the last thing he was involved with was once upon a time which yes. he he did and, and for people that that you know might be asking i mean i have any idea uh how he died he passed away from cancer and it was actually angiosarcoma which is a you know not it's Obviously, there's certain cancers are, are worse, and angiosarcoma is, um, well, it's not the worst cancer you can have, but it's certainly not a great one. And um, so he, he he appears he fought this battle um, since last year. So um, I, I looked it up because I wasn't sure if this was like a long battle, like it's been, you know, four, five, six years or more if this was something he fought with for a long time if it was something that just kind of popped up recently and it appears as though it's something that just kind of popped up you know fairly recently and seemed to to go pretty quick you know yeah it would probably explain why he wasn't a producer on the third season of hannibal yeah i'm sure it it was something he probably just couldn't do and i'm i'm assuming because I have no knowledge, I assume that he probably worked on Once Upon a Time in a much less capacity. Because yeah. as an as a pro- executive producer or a, uh, as a a producer on a show, you um have a lot of hats to, to put on. You have a lot of responsibilities, and um, I assume that kind of just being a screenwriter. And, well, no, I guess that's not true because he was a co-executive producer on Once Upon a Time. Oh, he but, was too. So maybe yeah. he just switched over. Yeah, he might have just switched over, which is possible. Well, see, the thing is, we have to remember that it was quite a long time before Hannibal season three was actually um, given the green light. So I, I'm guessing that because it was such an up in the air thing. Because I remember it was like months before we found out whether Hannibal was getting um, 
renewed or not. Yeah. And I, and I think that he probably just thought, okay, I can't keep waiting, waiting, waiting. And so, yeah, he did. He just said, okay, I got to move on. I got to go somewhere else. And of course he went to once upon a time. So dismiss everything we talked about before, <laughs> basically yeah. about him. Yeah. yeah. We a, know nothing. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. But um, we certainly appreciated what he brought to Hannibal um, he wrote some great episodes from season two, and he wrote one of my favorite episodes, Roti, from season one. And it's just, he's definitely going to be missed in the world. Yeah, it appears like in 2008 he was nominated for a Writers Guild of America, um, nominated for an award for Pushing Daisies. So oh, yeah. it, it just goes to show that the guy had talent. Obviously, if you were working on um, television shows of of this magnitude and creativity uh you are someone that people want to be associated with and he obviously has been in the, had been in the industry for you know close to 30 years so if you're in the industry for close to 30 years you're probably pretty good at what you do so yeah. he will be missed yes and uh you know prayers towards his family and hopefully you know, their their grief is um, something that uh, they can deal with privately and uh, hopefully hope for the best for them in the future. Yeah, I think I'll just uh, end it on what Brian Fuller posted on Twitter. He wrote, Rest in peace, Scott Numerfro, beloved Hannibal writer of Blood Eagles and Mushroom Corpses, now freaking out squares in the next life. Yes, I think I think having Brian Fuller end it is appropriate. <laughs> okay, so yep, we're gonna end this little shout out uh, in his passing and uh, move on to the review of the episode. All right, Fanables, we're back. Another episode of the Hunger for Hannibal podcast. Along with me today, as usual, is my co-host Sarah. Hello, Fanables. So. Uh, it's uh, been actually a little while since we recorded a podcast episode. It might not feel that way so much since we did uh, drop another one last week, but uh, we're we're in the process of finishing up uh, this uh, this rewatch podcast episodes. We're trying to to really get through all of them, and then I'm going to drop them uh, week by week, uh, just to have a steady stream all the way until the end of the season, and. Uh, you know, I was thinking about something today, and actually, I didn't. I didn't even run this by Sarah. So, Sarah, I'm gonna run this by you, okay? Surprise! Uh, I'm dumping you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yes, I am. Uh, I am now getting a new co-host, and <laughs> he is currently only six years old, but he's got a lot of enthusiasm for Hannibal. Um, no, no, nothing quite that scary. Um. No, actually, what I was thinking, and we're not going to do it for a while, uh, because we we have another podcast that we're starting up. It is, um, it's going to be called the American Gods Podcast, and it is going to be covering um, American Gods, the TV show, which will be premiering on Stars here in a about uh well there's no actually uh there's no date yet 
but speculation is it's going to be early 2017. So we have quite some time <laughs> to go. Uh, I'm guessing somewhere around uh, February, maybe March. Uh, so we have about a year or so, maybe a little less than a year between now and the, the premiere of the episode. However, uh, with casting news coming out, uh, we have material to cover, um, so we, we do plan on having a, a regular podcast for anybody who's interested in American Gods and interested in what might be coming down the pike and considering that Brian Fuller, the uh, showrunner of Hannibal, uh, is going to be doing this being the showrunner uh, there. I think we can all agree that at the very least, it's going to be the prettiest show on television. So. Yeah, he gets another chance to throw his sparkle all over it. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but what I wanted to mention, what I wanted to run by uh, Sarah is, after we're done with these episodes, um, unless some news, new news comes out regarding Hannibal, um, maybe coming back or being picked up by, uh, for another season, uh, we will be taking a break from the show because really there isn't a whole lot for us to do. There's no new episodes, nothing really for us to cover. However, I do recognize the fact that even though there's no new episodes, I feel like we have to do something at least from time to time. So what I'm thinking and what I'm running by Sarah right now is (laughs) uh, I think what we might want to do is a, a episode or two um, titled Hannibal Revisited. And what that's going to allow us to do is to maybe hate, maybe have one episode titled Hannibal Revisited Season 1. And what we'll really do is, is kind of go and really do a full Season 1 review. Just like take a uh, um, an overall look at the season and kind of just review it kind of like a bird's eye view of the entire thing and kind of just talk about everything in general. You know, how good was season one now that we're a few years out from, from well, not only the show itself um, being done, but season one has been out for a while. And we'll do the same thing with season two and then ultimately season three. And I just thought this would be nice because we, we've done episode by episode. We get to the end of the season and we kind of do... Uh, you know, we did a, a series finale or a season finale podcast for each season, but it we've never gone and taken a look back at the show after some time's gone by and see how we thought uh, things kind of played out now that we have some hindsight. Or even how it holds up after a few years. Yeah, now, granted, I'll be honest, uh, we do have to do, I guess, a season finale at some point. Uh, even for this season, because even though I, you know, I mean, we could really do the, we could really do uh, Hannibal Revisited. I could really be the series or the season finale for season one, since I guess if we did a season finale and then did a Hannibal Revisited, really just be kind of talking about the exact same thing. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> so I think what we'll do is, uh, you know, Hannibal Revisited Season 1 will really be, uh, you know, season finale podcast. I mean, we'll do we'll do the, the finale review 
but most of the time in the past when we do the season finale, we talk about the final episode plus the whole season. So um, with this, we'll just review the final episode on its own and then we'll do an episode, you know, kind of just looking at the whole season. So that's kind of what I was thinking today. I was just tossing around some ideas and, and what can we do after we're done with this to kind of give you some new content from time to time. Um, I don't know how often they're going to come out. I don't know exactly when. Uh, it's not going to be months and months and months after uh, we're done doing this. It might be a few weeks after you get your season one finale, but uh, it's not going to be like a long time before you get a new episode. So just wanted to kind of throw that out there. I, I like the idea. Um, I ambush Sarah because um, I like to do that from time to time, and Keep it me makes on my toes. it makes it makes for a fun time. So yeah, <laughs> I'm all for it. Okay, all right. Well, I didn't think that you uh, would say. You know what? I don't want to talk about Hannibal. I don't like that show anymore. I'm only doing this season one thing because Mike makes me do it. So. That sentence isn't even like capable in my brain. <laughs> yeah, Not talk yeah. about Hannibal. <sighs> yeah. See, right? I mean, I I knew what I was getting into when <laughs> you know I, I tossed this idea around because I figured I know she's gonna just jump on it like it's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> so, um, okay. So I just wanted to get that uh, out there to you, the listeners, and. Uh, and that's it. So uh, we're almost eight minutes into <laughs> the podcast. We haven't said a word about this episode. So uh, I think we should probably just jump right in. So, uh, so Sarah, what is this episode titled? <laughs> okay, I looked it up. It's not a C. It's an O. So it's like, I I think it's oofs. Oofs. That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> oh, well... But the way it is on Netflix, it looks like a C E U F, but it's an O apparently. <laughs> yeah, it. Well, yeah, I think you're 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 correct about that actually. Yeah, so it's it, not like quaffs or anything. It's oofs. It, it's a little. It's a little different. It's, uh, it's like the it's like the oddest title I think of the entire Hannibal series. Yeah. You know. I mean, there's there's no well, there is a couple weird ones, but this one is just it, it, I don't know, it just doesn't. I don't want to say it doesn't make any sense because I'm sure it does, but uh, it, it's nothing you can look at the title and go, oh, I know what this is about, you know. Yeah, it's so just we hi cat, <laughs> go back to your corner. <laughs> yeah, she says no, <laughs> it's not happening. But uh, it means French for eggs. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, breakfast food. Yeah, considering some of the, uh, yeah, what we get here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so this episode is is really, uh, well, first of all, let's provide some uh, information. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going right into the eggs. (laughs) Uh, Yes, going right in. Um, This episode actually was not aired. For anybody who is coming into the Hannibal series uh, now, this this one was was not aired because, well, the Boston bombings and the uh, uh, Newtown uh, Sandy Hook. 
I'm sorry, yes, Sandic, uh, the Sandy Hook tragedy uh, that, that happened, it just, uh, well, it just culminated kind of all together to uh, make it really difficult for anybody, any series to feature any episode at the time in which, uh, you know, children were being murdered and, and things like that. And uh, this episode in particular is about uh, children murdering children and children murdering families, moms, dads, things like that. So uh, they took it off the slate to be aired. And, you know, I mean, I think it was probably the right move at the time. It was a really scary, you know, moment in, in I think, our recent history. Um, really some real tragedies. And I can see them not wanting to put something on the air that was, vi- well, this, you know, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it is Hannibal, so I love it, but I mean, it's 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 freaky, it's kind of yeah. gory and, and a little, uh, I don't know, just weird, controversial for sure, I think. Yeah, this is certainly one of the more darker episodes of Hannibal, and not just for season one, but for like every season. It's one of the darker ones, and it's also very triggery for some people, uh, like my husband, um, like, it... it of course you're gonna like if there's child abuse on tv of course it's gonna like freak you out but some people it just like affects them so much even seeing like the aftermath is traumatic and triggery so i can understand how after that tragedy happened that this is something you definitely want to pull off the air it could affect a lot of people yeah and turn them off of your show yeah you don't want to you don't want to be the show that just thumbs your nose at uh, tragedy yeah so this is be probably, respectful. Yeah, this is probably the best uh, thing they could have done. It it stinks because it it is a good episode in its own right, and you never like to see stuff like this just dropped. And hey, if you want to watch it, you better go buy the you know the the Blu-ray set when it comes out or something like that. Or so, wait a year for Netflix. Yeah, or wait a year for Netflix. So, um, but you got to do what you got to do, and uh, I was able to watch it. So, um. You know, I, I didn't have to wait, but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is this is uh, something that was a choice that was made, and I think it was a good one. So, um, but other than that, uh, you know, it was something that I think uh, would have been a benefit if this tragedy stuff hadn't happened, and uh, it really would have been an asset, I think, to season one in general. So yeah, I totally agree. Um, all right, so this uh, was written by uh, Brian Fuller, and it was directed by Peter Maddock. Uh, Peter Maddock is a director. He's been around for a while. He's done quite a bit. Uh, he's done Cold Case, Breaking Bad, um, as well, of course, as Hannibal. Um, he's done a cuff- couple of Hannibal episodes. Uh, Hassoon uh, was another one he did. Um, I think it was in season two. Uh, since then, he's done. Uh, before that, he's done Carnival. He's on The Wire. Uh, he did uh, Homicide: Life on the Street. Uh, things like that. So he's been around for a while. He's done some movies, things like that. It, and he's just he's had a long, I think, and varied career over the over the years. So and he's been really directing since uh, the the late sixties, um, even. Wow. That's kind of when he got his start. So he's been around for a while. He knows his way around a set, and uh, you know, he just does a good job. So, yeah. Yeah, 
did a good job doing this one. It was definitely dark and effective. Um, I particularly liked it was one of the opening scenes where Will's at the um at the first crime scene and like I'm actually, I was a little scared of Hugh Dancy. Like he did an effective disciplinary voice. Yeah. He really channeled the uh, – well, see, I thought he channeled um, in this episode uh, the woman, the yeah. kidnapper. Uh, I can't think – They didn't name her. She's listed yes, as okay. kidnapper, Kid- but her name's Molly yeah. Shannon. Yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah, Molly Shannon. Um, if you know, people in America know Molly Shannon, she did uh, Saturday Night Live uh, for years. Um, and since she left Saturday Night Live, she's actually turned into to be a pretty solid uh, actress in terms of not just comedy, which she did for, for a long time, but I think she's actually turned into be a pretty solid dramatic actress. And she's taken some pretty dark roles uh, and varied roles over the, the last probably, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. And I think it's paid off. Uh, you know, I think it's actually worked out pretty good for her. Yeah, it's the only reason like that kind of disappoints disappoints me that this was pulled off because yeah, she only gets one episode, but she did a great job in this episode. She was truly like my only like knowledge of her was in the Grinch as like the mother. So when I saw her in this, it was like really effective, like her dark creepiness side and it's too bad that that didn't get to go on air. Yeah, it she's done a good job here. Um I really found it to be her to be believable. Oh yeah, uh, very believable. I thought it was she just did just an excellent. I don't. I mean, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. She just did a good job. But so, and I think that's all you can really hope for. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's just jump into this episode. Uh. So tell me, tell me about. Give me a scene that you really liked here. Like, give me a, the first scene that you just think of that that really hit you. Uh, the Alana Hannibal scenes. Um, you get we got to see both sides of the coin where they're super. Okay, hold on. Let me. I wrote down a couple things about this. You probably wrote what I wrote down. Hear my notes flipping around. Where is that one? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I wrote down that I absolutely loved the. The almost like very flirtatious, charismatic, witty, and like honest relationship that Alan and Hannibal have. Like when she comes over and he's like teasing her, like, Do you have an appointment? She's like, Do you have a beer? <laughs> yeah, I, I love this this scene. I actually wrote this I mean, I didn't write it word for word like you did, but I um I really like this scene because it really alludes to a relationship, the relationship that it's kind of been hinted at very lightly in the first like three episodes. Um, like when she knocks on the door, you're right, and he opens it up, and like there's this coy, playful quality to them. Um, it, it kind of lays the track for for the future, yeah, a little bit. Um, Unfortunately, you can, but... you can see, you, yeah, you can see, <laughs> you, you can see it uh, there. But it, but I liked the very, uh, what did I write here? I think I like the very. It's it's just kind of very casual. It, it it's very um, 
off the cuff, which is not Hannibal. It, the way he it just they their interactions. Um, yeah, I feel like the honesty he how he is with her is as honest as you're gonna get with Hannibal, and that's for him to like to respect her that much to be that honest with her. Yeah, well, yeah, and it, it's just there's a very relax it's a very relaxed relationship. Yeah, truly. Like, like, they're just easy to be with each other. Like a well-worn shoe is what I wrote down. <laughs> you know, like it, okay, so it's not, not the as funky, but it's, yeah, it's not not the sexiest uh, analogy here, but <laughs> or matter or metaphor, um, but it's um, yeah, but it's like it's very lived in, like the the relationship, the friendship, the collegiality. I, I mean, I guess. It's all just feels like they've done they've done this scene like dozens of times already. Yeah, you know, like this isn't anything like they've done twice in the last eight years. This is something they looks like they they probably do you know maybe once every couple of weeks or something. You know. Yeah, it's hard to like picture Hannibal like hanging out with somebody, but she's like they're hanging out and just being relaxed and very friendly. Like it seems like. This is the one friend Hannibal has right now. Yeah, it's um. There's she's not angling for anything, right? No. There's no, there's no um. There's nothing in it for her. She's not looking to get something from him, and I think that that is uh, probably appreciated a little bit on his part. I mean, if the most she wants is someone to hang out with and talk, you know, therapy and. Uh, you know whatever stuff that they they have to deal with is is therapists which they have to get into a little bit regarding abigail but um but even when they're they're i don't want to call arguing it's not really arguing they're more like discussing abigail and the road she needs to take you know i mean we know what hannibal eventually does in this episode but you still feel like there's a bit of a deference he he defers to her in his own way yeah yeah, she's just kind of somebody he can discuss. Like, she will never side with him just for siding with his side. She'll always give her own passionate opinion. He doesn't have to worry about, like, her not being honest with them. No, definitely. Uh, I like it. I just, I mean, I just like the relationship. I remember, um, I think I probably had the same, same thoughts when I first watched this episode. Um, you know, the first time I watched it, I... I I was probably just, well, I'll tell you what, I was probably just watching it just to take everything in, but watching it now uh, with more context that I know things that are coming, um, I, I guess I just got to appreciate it more, I guess, you know, Yeah, everything. even when it, like, flips to where she's having to, like, yell at Hannibal, I still, I absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah, um <laughs> I love that scene so much. I, I I do and I guess we can also just jump to the flip side here. Let's talk a little bit about the confrontation. This is very this is towards the end of the episode. Uh it's probably within the last like five, six minutes. Um so and we don't have to really describe the, the context for this scene because we, we can get into to the the whole uh, story. Ab yeah, the whole Abigail Hannibal thing because that's kind of its own thing. But um, Ab or uh, Alana coming over because um, 
you know, she found out that, that Hannibal took Abigail out of the hospital. She's not pleased at all. Um, no. because, because despite that, that, you know, seeming different deference, uh, in that scene that we just talked about, Hannibal decides to take her out and, you know, give her, uh, some, Drugs. yeah, um, like, uh, psilocybin mushroom, I don't know, psilocybin uh, mushroom, something like that. Yeah, I can't pronounce it either. Um, but whatever it is, it's mushrooms and it's very hallucinogenic. Um, and he's, he's treating her in the way he feels is best for her. I don't doubt that. I think I can see what he's trying to do. And I'm not saying that it, it's not a good idea, but you don't, you don't do this with Alana. You don't, don't do this because you're, you're not. You're not going to win because either you're going to have to kill her or, you know, she's just going to be really pissed off at you. So I don't know. I just I didn't I, I saw his reasoning in his, in, a, in his own way, but I just didn't. That's not the way you go. <laughs> no, you don't want her wrath because it's fiery, as we learn in season three. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is. Fiery side to her. But I love that Um, I was watching the scene pretty closely and as she's talking to him, like at least twice he flinches from like words she's saying to him like something like lands and sticks to him it absolutely like affects him it's not just like a game at that point like he actually feels a little guilty i think well i think i think it's because alana is probably one of the few people that he actually respects in yeah. the, in the field of psychiatry um i because i think alana is a very good therapist in in psychiatrist you know she knows what she's doing i mean look here's the reason why too because hannibal trained her i mean he they've, they've known each other for years yeah since you know, um johns hopkins yeah i think johns hopkins like they worked together i think he provided was he a mentor or something yeah he mentored so him. so yeah so his his so he kind of rubbed off rubbed off on her <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, well. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he, well, yeah. That's just, that's <laughs> Draw just, your own conclusions, people. <laughs> God. Uh, okay, I can't think about that right now. Um, <laughs> anyway, okay. So, so yeah, so I can see, I can see, you know, there's a very protective relationship. I think that he, I think he's very protective of Alana in his own way and I think he really enjoys her company and I think he really likes her so uh, when you have a scene like this you know she is throwing things at him because she is mad and, and right, rightfully so and I think even he would he understands where the anger is coming from so it's not like you know he can blame her for being angry for for something that uh, he never should have done, so and that's one thing about Hannibal that I've always liked. Most of the time, he will admit when he's done something wrong. Yeah, uh, he and he's not he doesn't hold it against you that you're pissed at him because he knows that he deserves whatever anger is is coming his way because you know he's decided to do whatever and accept the consequences. I guess. Yeah, truly, and like. He's always, there's like, there's a part of Hannibal that I love that 
he always tells the truth, even if it's a veiled truth that you kind of figure out later on. But in his own way, he always tells the truth. Yeah, well, he is. He has to be honest with himself about who he is. And when you've done that, you can be honest in every situation. Yeah. Um, so this this episode was really all about family. Um, <laughs> I will say that regarding most Hannibal episodes, they're, they're a lot more subtle with what they're trying to get at. This episode, um, they were kind of more hit-on-the-head thing, like... This is family, and we're all going to do family stuff, but in this one instance, we've got family stuff, but it's totally screwed up. Oh, yeah. In every way. So, um, so like, in for instance, you know, we have the crux of this episode, which is really about this woman, played by Molly Shannon, who seems to be abducting boys, uh, hoarding, like, keeping them for a year, getting to a point where they've suffered uh, Stockholm Syndrome uh, and they are really dedicated to her and then sending them home where they're reunited with by a happy father, mother, family, whatever and then the boys or, yeah, the boys, because I think they're all boys uh, yeah. they, they shoot and kill their family as a way of finally severing themselves and now they're able to be her family yeah, the, they found their true family, and she's brainwashed them to believe. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a sad thing. It really is. Um, it's 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 a fascinating. It's a very fascinating character, and that leads me really to one of my major. I guess my my biggest criticism of this episode revolves around that character. Uh, the kidnapper played by Molly Shannon. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. If I had to, to level one major criticism at this ep- of this episode, it's that there wasn't enough of her. I felt like we needed more. I don't feel like we got enough. We we saw her methods. We saw how she went about everything, but we didn't get enough. I feel like we just didn't get enough depth of her character. It wasn't a bad character. It wasn't a poorly done character overall but i thought i felt like there needed to be a few more scenes i want to know why she does what she does uh, just just more depth there and um i i guess it's because there were so many other elements that needed to compete in this episode that they just didn't have the time obviously yeah and maybe they thought that if they were to show maybe her past it would be something too dark to show and it's already an episode that's heavy with darkness yeah that's well that's possible it it is um yeah i don't i don't know exactly i mean they, they made the decision so obviously they felt it was for the best but i just felt like there was a lot in this episode that uh there's just a lot in this episode that was going on i mean we had i mean we had will and uh uh, Jack and they're obviously the search for for the what's going on, who's the killers, and then everything else that plays out there. Uh, we've got the Hannibal and Abigail and Alana situation, and you've got the you know Molly Shannon's character along with the boys, and you know it's just there's a lot of elements, and then you had you know Jack and and Bella 
uh, at the end there. So it's there was just a lot they were trying to jump back and forth between. Yeah, this is our first time we see Bella, though, right? Yeah, it is. And I, I'm pretty sure, I'm trying to remember, I, I think this is the first time we do see her. So I I liked it. I, I immediately rec- recognized Gina Torres uh, from Firefly. <laughs> and uh, she's, she's, she's great. Um, in this episode, we really only got to see her for one scene. But even in just one scene, I thought, wow, this is great. This is just... I'm already cheering for I I can't wait to see, you know, what's going on. Yeah, and it was so... The scene was so natural. Like, you didn't have to guess, like, oh, who's that woman? Like, oh, yeah, that's that's his wife. You automatically, like, feel that relationship. And I guess they are married in real life. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that helps. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't hurt. <laughs> you, can, you can draw on actual fights or whatever that you know, you've had to order to, to really infuse a scene with some real excellent depth, you know, and, and vulnerability and honesty really is what you yeah. needed. Yeah, truly. And they only say like two sentences to each other and you can tell like there's a troubled marriage and something's going wrong and they, you don't know like what is happening between them, but you know they're on a rocky slope right now between their marriage. Yeah. Well, yeah. Obviously, this is. Uh, I remember watching this for the first time and, and being intrigued, like, "Wow, what's going on?" You know, like, what, what's you know, Jack just seems like the kind of guy that is very de- devoted. Husband is devoted as he's capable of being with his job, and um, yeah, I just yeah, I remember thinking, I can't wait to find out more about this. Yeah, their dynamic is so, so entrancing. It's fascinating um, to watch. So, like as yeah, the well, yeah, continue. that's definitely true. Uh, we're definitely gonna get more into that relationship for you listeners. It's it's definitely a fascinating one. Yes. What was your like favorite moment oh, of this? Oh boy, episode? um, man. <laughs> Well, let me think here. I, I, th- I think Hannibal going to, to Will's cabin. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. The completely it, silent uh, moment. I'll tell you what. It, my first thought was, wow, this is awfully rude. You know, like, well, like, seriously. <laughs> How dare you, know, you break mean, in? If that happened to Hannibal, Hannibal would find that exceptionally rude. If someone would, you know, break into his, his house, whether he was there or not. Um, so I, I think that's, that's like, wow, you know, he's unannounced. Will is not there. He's already brought, you know, sausage links for the dogs. So he's he's been planning ahead. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I liked that scene, though, because while he's... These dogs are running around eating stuff. He's inspecting. He's really kind of just <laughs> seeing the life that will there that will lead leads, and uh, you know he sees that Will loves to make uh, fishing lures, and uh, you know he, he kind of finishes up whatever lure that that Will was working on. So that is a pretty amazing uh, scene, just because there's no dialogue. Really, I mean, other than what he said, you know, Hannibal says to the dogs. I think he says like one or two words. Besides that, it's just a fully silent. You know, it's a it's a silent scene. 
Yeah, and I think Will says later on to um, thanks for feeding my dogs for me. So I don't think he was like breaking and entering. No, no, no. You're not crazy. Am I crazy? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it was was weird. Like, he, Will is so, I didn't expect Will to have like a sock and shirt drawer out in the middle of his living room. And it's so meticulously kept, you'd think it was like Hannibal's (laughs) own drawer. (laughs) Like, that's so meticulous. I'm not going to say yeah, anal, yeah. but anal is <laughs> so tidy. I'd like, I didn't expect that from him, from everything else in his life. is just kind of relaxed and like, oh, whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so, so give me your, uh, if there's like a uh, most horrifying scene in this, in this episode, what, what do you think it would be? Uh, the burnt child in the fireplace. That was off-putting. When I didn't know what happened at first, I'm like, jeez, like, this kid pushes, like, own brother or something into the fireplace? What it, the fuck? Oh, man. It was, I'll tell you what, I, I wrote this exactly what I wrote down. The Christmas scene was one of the saddest scenes I have ever seen. Really was. It was, it was really Well, I mean, heartbreaking. It, it's, it's because it's, it's Christmas. It, it's, you know... Yeah, like everyone's it, opening presents. It's just presents a complete. And... It's just a creepy, morbid thing because it's Christmas, and then but yet you have all these people that just been shot and killed, and and that's awful. Yeah, especially like the first uh, crime scene as well, when you have like the maggots on the food and. Oh yeah, that that <sighs> scene was great. I loved. Like, I loved uh, Will's. Um, uh, what do you call it? The the windshield wiper time travel. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, yes, the pendulum. Um, so I, I did like that, but for me, um, the most horrifying scene was when the little boy uh, pissed himself. Oh and yeah. It, it was, was this so thing sad. is that the older boy you can see in the scene the older boy is like he controls the the younger ones. And he just stares yeah, at him. All he has to do just stare at him. And the guy doesn't blink. And this kid's just terrified out of his gourd. And yeah, he's so he, he just, you know, he pisses himself right there in that, in that convenience store. It's just, it was like, man, I, I feel so bad for this kid. Yeah, like, he's not even scared of her. He's scared of him. Which is, I didn't think that would be the case. Like, I was totally, when I first saw this, that, like, she was controlling them and she could turn on a dime and like turn into like Norma Bates kind of crazy. <laughs> she is Norma Bates kind of crazy, but I thought she would be like this anger side you'd eventually see with her, but it's the other Oh, it's true. Yeah. Them. She's just very she's very nurturing. I mean, obviously she has an agenda, but but still she's very yes. calm and very loving, and I think she does see these kids as her children. Yeah. And, um, was she the one that had to kill the other boy that freaked out at the, uh, at the I, home I don't when he know. was killing his and parents? I, I think it's, it's gotta be either her or the older boy. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't figure out if it was her or if it was him that had to shoot the mother and then the kid and then... Yeah, I'm not body. entirely sure on that one. Um, but I... I think if I had to, if I had to take a guess, I would say it's the older boy. Yeah, he seems 
like psychopathic. Like no, there's no, no there emotion there. I admit that's a very it's a very good uh, uh, assertion because I think he is the kind of kid who probably is a sociopath at this point. Um, yeah, no kidding. And go. Oh no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think... Did he get shot at the end? You know he killed? I don't... Honestly? <laughs> There's so many loose ends in this episode. Yeah, like... see, that, and that's the thing. Um, that's the thing about this episode. I Like I said, I leveled the criticism of, of her, Molly Shannon's character not having enough, enough scenes. But it's not just that. I think it's as much about... Uh, I felt like there just wasn't enough time to devote to everything so they did the best they could but there's just some loose ends that never got really you know they never got never got uh tied up or anything yeah like um we don't even know if she survived or not because she got hit in the shoulder and all we just see is her laying there bleeding but we don't know if she lives or dies and we don't know what happens to the other kid Lots of yeah, there is because yeah, right. We don't know where the kids are at. We don't know anything, so it, it's just uh, kind of a jarring way of of kind of ending the episode the way they did. You know, they just they they didn't end it with more knowledge of yeah. what happened to the kids and everything else. You know, it's just like oh yeah, that's the end. Okay, you know. Yeah, I kind of felt like towards the end, like when I first saw this, like. Oh, I wonder if Jack's gonna adopt the kid, and um, I, I'm sure the parents be too freaked out to have them back in their home, or if he's going to jail. But I'm like, ah, everyone can have like a certain yeah, kid. Yeah, and, and that old, that last scene, like where the the youngest kid goes home and you know meets his mom after a year of being apart, and all of a sudden that the SWAT come out of the vehicles and and the kids holding the gun up and. And again, this just felt it just felt rushed, a little rushed to me. This this scene, it's like, yeah, like okay, they we gotta jump time. right from this kid to the kids holding a gun up to, up to them, and it just yeah, it, if yeah, and like the mom when she opens the door and sees the kid, like I didn't buy her reaction at all. She was just like, oh my god, I'm so happy to see you, but like. If you're like that kid's mom, you would just be on your knees, bawling your eyes out if you saw your kid after oh, a yeah, year God, I mean, of them being be gone. The, like, I just can't imagine. But it would be totally like crazy yeah. over the top reaction for good reason. But still, you know, it would just be nuts. You know. Yeah, like you would have a freak out. So I didn't really like her acting. <laughs> that was my beef. <laughs> um, Do you want to talk about oh, Abigail yeah. and Hannibal? Um, well, I'll tell you what. Actually, before we get to that, let's talk about Abigail and Alana. Yeah, they have this, oh, like, they have this walk, walk and, and talk, talk, and it's um, it's nice. I like it. It it's just this conversation where um, Alana's you know telling Abigail Abigail that you know she needs to maybe give the uh, what do they call it the group therapy a chance. She doesn't group want therapy. to. She feels like a freak essentially. Um, and she thinks it's just like, you know, they're just, people are just lying to themselves, all this stuff. And, uh, Alana, you know, she's very honest, you know, I like how she, she does, she, she just says what she means. And from a therapy standpoint, that's actually probably the best thing for Abigail. 
Yeah. Because right now Abigail's trying to, she's, she's like struggling for normalcy. She just so desperately wants to just get back to being a normal kid. The problem is she doesn't understand this yet, is that she'll never be quite the same because how could you ever be, you know, the same? Yeah, truly. After that, like, you're never going to be the same. You don't just have physical scars. Um, Oh, so the bite marks that Will talks about in, in in his class... Uh, was that the first sign of Francis Dollarhide? Mm-hmm. It's not the first sign because um, the first time we see Will in the lecture hall, um, not Will, Alana, when she's filling in for Will, very first episode, she's also okay. talking about bite okay. marks. Yeah, so this All is right. the second time they uh, bring it up. But yeah, they are uh, referencing I mean, Red they, Dragon. They, well, why wouldn't they do that? You know, it, they're already planning for the future. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Planned so far. Uh, oh, <laughs> and the Geek Squad is back. Uh, I, I loved the fact they were yes. back. It's so nice when they're there. It, they're so funny. Just, I just, it's levity. I love them. It, 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 for an episode this dark, they, they needed levity. They needed some fun. I absolutely love Price. He's like, my parents gave me a gift once. A twin. Who wouldn't want two of me? Like, everyone in that room wouldn't want two of you. Um, Yeah. Oh, there was also... I wanted to also talk about the Hannibal and Will uh, scene at the beginning. And, well, there was actually a few scenes in this... this, um, but they really talk a lot about forming these. It's like a, it's like a, this dual father's relationship to Abigail, and they talk a lot about, uh, like Will talks about his family and his past, and uh, you know, because it's a big obviously family's the big you know theme this week, um, and I I just I liked how they tried to to do as much as they could to kind of show a little bit more of Will's past. You know, in discussions with 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 Hannibal. Yeah, and I loved how Hannibal's very careful about what he tells Will. That he tells him like about his parents and of course about his uncle, but he leaves out the two major people in his life that were, you know, affected his life, which of course Misha and Lady Mirasaki. That he's still super guarded with yeah, Will. Yeah, he is. He is definitely guarded with Will. He's guarded with everybody, right? except for maybe Alana, but, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I look, I... I like... I like that they keep tackling this relationship this early in the series. And, and you can tell that they, they knew from the get-go, from the first episode, that this was going to transform into something different. And and it did because the procedural oh, yeah. element kind of leaves after a while, and and we get uh, a serialized storytelling, which I think is is a benefit to the show, and I think it it definitely improved, which is saying something considering how good it is. Yeah, absolutely, and like they're also like hinting at the undertones of the Will and Hannibal relationship. Like it's already like kind of building itself like when Will has his like back to Hannibal you kind of see Hannibal looking over Will and it's just kind of these coy little looks yeah. at each other like 
I don't know if it's just me and spending too much time on Tumblr. No, there probably is a little bit. They're probably already beginning to lay some of the foundation down, you know, for this, for this, uh, for what they know is coming, you know, put it that way. Um, oh, oh, I got, uh, I wanted to to talk about this. My, uh, another favorite scene of mine is the, uh, the dinner scene between Jack and Hannibal because it contains my favorite, (laughs) I guess I really can't call it line of it. Uh, it's, it's when he says, uh, when Jack asks, uh, what am I having? And says rabbit. And, uh, Jack says she should have hopped faster. And, and, uh, Hannibal replies, <laughs> yes, he should have. And it just jumps right to the, to the guy that's hopping away from, from Hannibal. Um, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas so Boyle. It's, it's, it's a very interesting, um, it's a very interesting thing that they did there, and I just loved it because the moment that that scene popped up, I'm like, "Oh God, more more human flesh for dinner," you know. <laughs> Everything Seriously. is people. Like, you do not understand what you're eating. <laughs> oh, oh God! No, not yet. Um, go ahead. I um I love the scene. Um, it's Hannibal talking mm. to Abigail in his kitchen, but there's just like a boyish giddiness that he has like he's so happy to like guide and teach her like ah, there's just a glow about him like he's really accepting like i think he really well, think wants he, abigail he, in his I life i don't think he dislikes the thought of having a daughter and i th- you know i think will no. definitely i mean it's something that's kind of weird initially because you think of will as such a loner but it's 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 amazing how quickly he kind of latches on to Abigail as a as a as a father a father a father uh, daughter kind of thing. Yeah, and I guess we can kind of figure like, for Will, it's taking in strays. He's got a soft heart for that. Why wouldn't he? Like, she's definitely someone he can help guide as well. I guess he's the same me- mental state as Hannibal is because. For Hannibal, it's also like he failed his sister. Maybe yeah, he could it's help it's Abigail. about um, finding a way to make to make peace and um, make up for what uh, happened in the past. Yeah, have the teacup come back together. Yeah, which breaks. And, this and I love that they're already looking that far ahead with symbolism. I know. I love this. I love this <laughs> show so much. Um, okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about that uh, that final dinner scene with uh, Hannibal and Alana and uh, and and Abigail. Yeah. So Drugged so Hannibal, of course, gives Abigail those drugs, um, the the mushrooms, and that's when, of course, Alana Alana comes over and just really. Bitches out, uh, <laughs> Hannibal, big time. Uh, he looks kind of ashamed. I think. I think he realizes he did overstep his his bounds. Uh, but of course, he's going to tell her he gave her psychedelic mushrooms. Um, so he just told her, gave like, oh, I gave her like half a Valium. I'm like, oh yeah, sure he did, whatever. Um, and uh, you know, di- uh, he's made the dinner for breakfast. Uh, just I think as a way of of letting Abigail eat. This dinner that which which was the last thing that um, his father, her father, her yeah, her father was making the the day that um, he <laughs> killed her mom and tried to kill her. So it's a way of yep. kind of like confronting this 
um, without like going crazy, which is why the the mushrooms were, I think, necessary for. Yeah, and it's a small touch of callback to um, Silence of the Lambs when oh, he did yeah, this to yeah, Clues. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just a touch of it because we touch on it way later in the episode. Yeah. Or season two, I think. Yeah. But, and, yeah, so yeah, they, it's really they nice touch. sit down and it's, it's it, the way it's framed and the way it's written, it's, it's almost like... Uh, hello, daughter. Mommy, mommy, and daddy are here for you. We're here to celebrate your your <laughs> life and da 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 all this stuff. It, it, it I like. I mean, I liked it a lot, but it it just felt weird to see this these these rules being thrust um on all of them by Hannibal, really. Yeah, and I'm even just in Abigail's vision of Hannibal and Alana being her parents makes me uncomfortable with Alana and Hannibal being in a relationship. Like I'm already uncomfortable uh, with that well, idea. Well, you know, uh, it's it's painful. But <laughs> we, we could can't, go on about so that. So we're just going to leave it at that for a while. Okay. All right. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, you get to see that scene, which is, is so well done. Um, you get to see Will falling asleep with his dogs in the in the living room. Uh, but to me, I thought it was kind of funny. Because. I just, I, I equated their laying there with, not because they were tired, but because they were also full from sausage. <laughs> like, like I can't, Human like, people I can't sausage. eat another bite, I'm just going to lay here. Just like like a sloth, um, <laughs> yeah. Right? Stuffed like right? after a Christmas so, dinner. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I I think this episode is is good, um, but I will admit it's 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 not a bad episode by any stretch. But it's got some things about it that I thought could have did, been done better. I don't know what storyline you you would have taken uh i guess i don't know where you would have made some cuts shaved off some shaved off you know some here shaved off some there and i don't know exactly what you would have done to kind of flesh out some of the stuff that they really needed some help and but they did what they what they could and ultimately i, I still felt like it was a fairly solid episode yeah like that there's very minor things wrong with it. Like, yeah, I would love to see more of Molly Shannon, especially like in the scene where she comes out of like that little pool house and has that like, don't fuck with my kid look on her face. That should have been a little bit of a longer scene. And then of course, like the mother with the son. And But other than that, I think oh, it's yeah, pretty, it pretty solid. solid. Um, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't like to watch it again. And that's the bit. Ba- that's, that's the <laughs> standard for, yeah. Uh, loving a show is, is you could actually sit down and watch this episode again. So. Surely I could watch Hannibal and repeat. Um, all right. So what, why don't is, oh wait, actually, before we go any further, uh, is, is there any other scenes or things you want to, um, address for the, for the review? No, we touched on everything. Actually, we're really we, good about that. Good job. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's a virtual high five. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, Damn right. Okay, so why don't we then just jump ahead and let's give our rating, I think, for this episode out of, out of 10. Um, like I said, right, I had some first. issues with this episode. I thought, like I said, the Molly Shannon character uh, maybe felt a little shortchanged. I'm not even talking so much about her, her history, just... I just wanted a little more of her. I felt like maybe if it would have been a little more um, centered on her character and the the kids and everything, um, maybe that would have been better. I don't know where you would have cut things away in order to give her more of that time without making other things feel, um, you know, kind of shortchanged. But I just I, I just felt like there was there was more for the kidnapper character and and everything around her. So. Um, but beyond that, I really don't have too much in terms of uh, issues. A little bit here, a little bit there. But still, I think I'm going to give it a solid uh, 8 out of 10. Fair rating. I totally agree with everything. Just um, what I really liked about the episode was just like kind of the character development, getting to learn about like Alana and Hannibal and Will getting more comfortable with Hannibal and Abigail and Hannibal. I loved that stuff. Um, so because of character development, I'm going to give it about seven and a half okay. out of 10. I mean, that's a, I that's a fair it. rating. It is. Um, like I said, it's a solid episode of Hannibal. Um, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't obviously doesn't reach some of the heights that we know are coming down the road uh, in terms of excellence, but it. Yes. I'm saving yeah, my tank for them. The, the, this is a really good episode. I mean, it's a good episode. It's a solid episode. It's, I think it, it in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the baseline for Hannibal episode, meaning um, it's not a great episode. It's not a bad episode because it really isn't a bad Hannibal episode. So this episode kind of shows you um, that, look how good this is. And guess what? The, the really good episodes are going to blow your mind and they're going to deserve the 9, 9.5, 10 out of 10 kind of scores. Yeah. Like, yeah. we have something to look forward to. So, all right, everyone. Uh, I guess that's the end of our, our review. Um, so, hopefully, we have given you something to think about. Um if you uh, would like to write into the show, if you would like to provide some kind of feedback for either this episode or the next episode, um, please do. We love any and all feedback that we get in. If you send something in, whether it be voicemail or email, it will make it on the show. Um, so don't feel like if you send, if you send something that uh, we won't be including it because we will. Um, so if you want to do that, uh, just, uh, you know, attach your um, voicemail or write your email and send it to hungryforhannibal at gmail.com. And uh, just, yeah, just let us know what you think and uh, we'll be really interested in, in hearing what you have to say. So, yeah. Yes, we love any and all comments and sorry for the squeaking, my cat found um, my <laughs> and, and yeah, so, and also write, rate us on iTunes. Um, leave a review if you'd like. Uh, just let us know what you think of the podcast. Are we doing a good job? Do you like what we have to say? Um, and yeah, great. So that's it. Um, yes. We love yes, iTunes. Reviews. Yes, they do. They get they us get noticed. Us noticed. Um, they help us out. Uh, it, it, it allows us to um, 
you know, kind of reach a, a wider audience. And look, I know that Hannibal is, is it's technically canceled and all that, uh, but there's hope and uh, we don't know what's coming. You know, everything's getting revived these days, so we're not Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, yeah, Hannibal definitely. foremost, please. Um, all right, everyone. So I guess that really wraps up our, our podcast episode. Um, so I guess we'll end it the same way we, we always end it. Um, all right. So uh, I'll be excited for the next episode. I can't wait to do another podcast and, uh, you know, talk a little more Hannibal. So I'm going to be hungry for Hannibal as always. And Sarah will. Yes. And, always be uh, hungry. We'll see you next time. Night. Bye, Fanimals.